0: there is much especially in underdeveloped what we would say non-civilized places people access more body wisdom you know the first bible as many have said is creation and so you know before we had anything on the page before we you know i think therefore i am we did accept our body wisdom we did know okay there's a lion outside and i've got to be you know we actually did uh, listen to the hair on the back of our neck standing up. Right, we did. We actually listened to the wisdom of the body, and uh, and and so when we think about how the gifts of reason and logic and uh, you know the printed press have helped us, they've also hurt us, um, and and so we don't always look up at the night sky and say the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, we forget that. You know, as David said it, he did a great job in Psalms saying, when I kept silent about my sins, my bones were wasting away. Um, or, or saying things like, oh, my God, my heart has come alive. You know, so when was the last time we felt our bones telling us, hey, you need to get this right? Or our heart saying, oh, life is here. This is awesome. Right. And so we if we are if we are, um, if we are uh, willing to receive the gift of the intellect, the gift of our emotional affections, the gift of our body instincts, then we're living a whole and holy life.
1: All teamed with life and all was well. There's a buzzword that is out now. There's a lot of them. You know, uh, illegal immigration. Uh, we won't get political in this episode, but you know, there's that. There's us versus them. There's patriarchy. There's a bunch of buzzwords. But one that if you just hit Google and just start typing in E-N-N-E-A-G-R and just see what the autocomplete says, the Enneagram is everywhere. Now, I touched on this topic briefly, very briefly, with Suzanne Stabil, I don't know, gosh, maybe a year ago, and I've wrestled with it, and I touched on it with my pastor, and I still continue to wrestle with it, I've sent a really good book called Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram, and I wrestled with that, and I'm still wrestling with it, and I'm liking it, and I'm hating it, and that will make sense as you listen to the episode. I'm Seth. You're listening to the Can I Say This at Church podcast. I am glad that you're here. Before we get going, I just want to say, I know you have options to download, to listen to whatever it is you listen to. And I continually see the downloads tick up, and I can't tell you how humbled I am by that and how thankful I am that you devote any time at all to listening to the show. And so thank you. If it's gotten a hold of you at all, if something speaks to you, just let me know. I would love to hear your feedback. Tell a friend. There's almost 50 of you now that support the show, In a financial way on Patreon. Be that anywhere from a dollar a month to... uh, Some of you are way more generous than I deserve. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart. But each and every single one of you makes this happen. And it's a privilege. Fair warning as we dive back into the show. There's a part... Well, I don't... I don't... I'm getting better at dealing with emotions. And you'll hear that in there. But um, I was so tempted to edit out parts of this where my humanity or my emotionality breaks through uh, but I decided to leave it in and it's terrifying and um, yeah here we go a conversation about the Enneagram with Claire Lowridge you were there from the start in the cold
0: in the dark when I lost my, hope, lost my heart.
1: Did you part? I am now a of the light Claire Lowridge, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for your understanding with my lack of calendaring abilities and for long-term listeners on the show, that will not surprise you. I screw up all the time with the calendar. And then just for those listening... I'd originally said, let's do this Thursday. And then we realized, and by we, I mean you, that that's the 4th of July. And I'm like, well, that's, that's stupid. And I don't know how I missed that. I think I just looked at this Thursday's wide open on the calendar and didn't realize that the reason it was wide open is because all the family would be here with me. So anyway, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here.
0: I'm glad I'm here, too. I have no fireworks, but we can start anyway.
1: (laughs) We shall see. We shall see. A couple questions. Before we dive into the subject at hand, which is the Enneagram, and I'll tell you up front, the Enneagram both frustrates and amazes me, sometimes at the same time, but we'll we'll get there. But I want to talk a bit about you, like what makes you, because I feel like the book and the practices that come from it will be informed greatly by your life experiences. And so if someone asks, hey, Claire, what makes Claire Claire? What would you say? What are those things that have made you what you are?
0: Wow! All right. Uh, so I was raised by an, a, a Sicilian father, uh, maiden named Pizzamente, and uh, and he was raised by the Christian Brothers and the Jesuits. And so that's my story. So I went to Catholic school. i um, i loved uh, I loved Mass um and uh, at 18 years old i was introduced to the catholic charismatic movement and uh, and that just fit my personality style i loved uh, i loved reverence for god but i always had this out there energy you know this i wanted to experience god not just learn about god not just honor god but have an experience so the catholic charismatics did that for me those priests and nuns it was wonderful and uh, and then my husband and I, we knew we were called to ministry together, and because the Catholics don't have a married order, like Francis and Claire, if they would have gotten together, it might have been fine. I could have stayed in the Catholic Church, uh, but uh, we discovered that that wasn't possible. And so we went to an Assembly of God Bible College, which felt a little Catholic charismatic, Except for there was some resistance to Catholicism there, so I began to leap behind my Catholic roots into this new realm and uh, and then went from there to not to non denominational world and then from there went to studying with the methodists and and Quakers and and all of that and then finally, um, at forty years old, ten years into our church plant, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And, uh, I ended up at the transforming center, um, with Ruth Haley Barton. Don't know if you know who she is, but that creates space for pastors and leaders to recover their souls. And I discovered that I had, um, lived such an extroverted life that, uh, I didn't pay much attention to my own interiority. Mm -hmm. And so when I discovered that I had this, uh, autoimmune disease, I, I, Um, went to the transforming center and ended up with the first practice I was taught was rest. And, uh, and I actually, that was, to me, that wasn't even Christian. Uh, I thought, you know, you die. Jesus says, enter your rest. You know, now you work in the vineyard because the sun is going down, night is coming. No man can work. And so I didn't realize that I had worked myself. I had lived such an extroverted, active life, lots of social justice stuff. Um, and, uh, I, uh, you know, the youngest of six living with Sicilians. I mean, it just, my life was always out here. So when I discovered that there was an interior world to pay attention to, I also discovered that I had been wounding my own life and the life of others with that very active energy while it had done some good, it had also caused some problems. And, um, and so I began to practice rhythms of work and rest Uh, silence and word, um, action and contemplation, and discovered that there was actually rhythm in life and not just all out here stuff. And so I was introduced to the Enneagram during that first two-year community and then discovered I was a three on the Enneagram. So a very active, workaholic, image management, uh, deception, self-deception, Uh, somebody would say, are you tired? I'd say, no, you know, no no need for rest until heaven. And, uh, and so what makes Claire Claire is that I really am a, um, a combination of glory and grime action and contemplation only because I had to learn the contemplative style because of trouble. And, uh, and I am an ecumenical potpourri. Um, I, I love, I love so many faith traditions that, um, you know, and, and part of that is my gift, uh, as a, as a three that I can blend in different places, but it's also been my pain that while I was blending into places, I lost my own soul. Yeah. So that's kind of the elevator speech of who Claire is. Um, anyway.
1: I've never heard the words ecumenical potpourri. But I, I'm on, that needs to become something. I like that. I don't know how to flesh that out, but I like that. I've never ever I've never heard anybody say that before. Um, question, because I don't know much about either the charismatic faith, uh, you know, in America or in uh, the Catholic tradition. What are those differences? Um, just or, or, or are there any outside of Catholic? And this is the pastoral order that I report to. Is there any practical differences or is it just all dogmatic differences?
0: I like the way you said that. Yeah, I do believe it's dogmatic differences and that we have so much more in common than we do separating us. Um, There's a deep desire to know God uh, and be transformed by the renewing of our mind And that mind, the Greek word nous, which really isn't just your brain, it's your whole life. It is your head, your heart, your gut, your actions in the world being transformed for the glory of God, as Ruth Barton would say, for the abundance of your own soul and for the sake of others. Mm. And so we have far more in common, um, this desire not just to know God intellectually, but to have an encounter with God um, that goes beyond just our intellect.
1: So the book that you've written... Uh, or you and others have written, there's a lot of names on the front cover and uh, <laughs> it's called spiritual rhythms for the Enneagram and then subtitle a handbook for harmony and transformation. And I want to circle back to harmony in a minute, but the first question is how do you, how is it even possible to write a book with four humans involved? Because I, I don't understand how that would, I mean, it was hard enough to just calendar this much less <laughs> hundreds of pages and an editor and a publisher. So how does that even happen? And then when, Conflicts arise because I have to think that all four of you are going to have a different take on, you know, what a three is or what a five is or how they are healthy or unhealthy. Like, how do you, how do you work through that?
0: Well, so um, I wrote uh, my first book on the Enneagram back in 2006. Okay, self-published. I wrote my second one in 2012 and was doing trainings with those books. My friend Adele, who you see her name on the front cover, wrote a book called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, and she was my first spiritual director 17 years ago, um, and then we became friends, so we let go of the professional you know, client, you know, you know what I'm saying, directee-director relationship, and we began to just love the Enneagram and Spiritual Disciplines together, And so, um, they were teaching the Enneagram, my husband and I were teaching the Enneagram and actually I I certify people in the Enneagram. Um, but we began to find this lovely connection. So if you've read a little bit, Doug is a one, that's Doug Calhoun, Adele Calhoun is a four, Scott, my beautiful husband is a nine and I'm a three. And so we, um, as we had this mutual love, we said, well, what could we do together that might offer some, some grace to the Enneagram world? Uh, lots of great stuff in business and psychology and spirituality, but is there a way that we could show this kind of harmony? So one of my favorite scriptures is, um, if two of you would agree on earth, anything is possible. And what I've discovered is that most people can't even agree in their own soul. Mm -hmm. You can't even agree with yourself. You're in arguments with yourself all the time, right? And so um, this idea of already what what we were doing with the Enneagram was working on harmony with your head, your heart, and your gut, your IQ, your EQ, emotional intelligence, and your GQ, your gut intelligence. And so we we were beginning to find some flow, some harmony individually. And we said, well, if this is really going to be the good stuff, if we're gonna love God with our heart and mind and strength and our neighbor as ourself, let's practice and see what we can do together with this work and see if it's true. See if it's really possible to bring harmony. Um, and so that that's how it began. And yeah, you are right. We did have moments where we looked at each other and said, okay. Right now, I'm just going to take a moment and breathe. I'm going to try to find some inner harmony because I'm feeling some <laughs> outwards dissonance. And so we would do that. We would actually, we'd name our own demons, our own stuff, our own false self, whatever you want to call it, vice. And we had that kind of uh, honesty. And, we, and if we didn't, the other one might say, how are you doing right now? <laughs> if they were picking up on something, and you, you just know,
1: shut the laptop.
0: <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Call me later. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's really how it it went. It was uh, it was really practicing the book.
1: There's a part of me that gets angry that when I say like I'm eight five and two because I know we, I, you asked me and I said well here's where I'm at. So part of my brain is like don't tell me what I am. The other part of my brain is challenge accepted. I'm not that, and I get so frustrated because I can't actually change anything, and then I get mad, and so. Does it have to be those three numbers? Cuz there as I read through everything, I'm like, I would like to be able to be like this. Like my wife is a nurse, she's entirely different than me. And I I I don't ever want to do what she does, but there's no way I ever could, but I would like to aspire to. But I feel constricted by limitations that I don't know how to get out of. So, is it always those three numbers? Is there any nuance? Like, can basically I guess what I'm asking is, when I'm like 70, can I be a different three things? Is that even a thing? Is that even a real, is that a question I should even be asking?
0: Well, I think you asked a lot of questions there. So <laughs> I love it. Um, I think first of all, uh, you know, any Enneagram teacher that has been in this wisdom for a while says you are not alone. Um, we've heard, and I, maybe that makes you mad too, but we have heard others say the very same thing. And then we would just like to say, we feel you. We see you, and we really do believe you are a dominant type, Mm -hmm. and that there are things that you have dismissed along the way, Um, maybe because one part of you was applauded, and so you did more of that, or maybe because one part of you was told, we don't do that in this house, Mm. so you dismissed it, or it wasn't valued. You know, you could have been raised in a house where intellect was so highly valued that you just undernourished the heart part of yourself, that kind of caregiver person. And so, you know, whether it's undernourished or dismissed or something was more applauded, we have all three centers of intelligence. You have all three of those accessible to you, but you have taken one to an art form. And you have been able to work that, it's got you your job, it got you your marriage, it made, you know. It's, it's done great work for you. Um, and at the same time, when you say, can I be something else at 70? Well, I love that too, because what we say about harmony is it's, it's a model that actually gives you access to more grace when you're centered, So when you are centered, you can access all of the virtues at the time you need them. And what we see in people who have aged well and who have suffered well is they have lost a lot of the egoic structures and they are far more living from essence, from true self and able to access grace that is really, really lovely. And then we've seen people who have not let go of their egoic structures and they get meaner and more difficult in their, you know, in their aging process. Mm-hmm. So I think the point is the more centered we are, you do have more access. But yes, what we would say is that all models are wrong and some are really helpful. Uh, and and that's quoting someone else. But we don't know who it is, but they're right. Um, And so this model of the three numbers uh, is really just a a way for you to practice letting go of the things you're constricted in. Thank you for using that word. I love the word constricted because it really gives us a picture of how we get stuck and trapped in what we've overplayed in our lives Mm -hmm. and what we've taken to an art form. And when we can loosen that and when we can open to flow, which is one of the acronyms we use, free loving, open, and welcoming. We have access to more than just what we're constricted in when we're overplaying our personality style. That has gotten us good things and has gotten us in big trouble and frustrates the heck out of you.
1: Right at the beginning of your book, the part that, it's probably the part of my brain that likes to rip things apart. The reason probably that I do this podcast is if I turn the screen, there's like 27 books here that I'm going to read this month in one way or another. It's all going to get read. And <laughs> the logic of things is what I tend to gravitate to and rip apart. And then I just question unceasingly. Sometimes I don't know what the purpose is for the questions, but I feel like I have to continue to ask them. And so there are two diagrams. And so there's the traditional Enneagram diagram that has like an open end, almost like a horseshoe with fancy points. Um, and But yours is more, you call it like a harmony, the harmony Enneagram. And so is that just semantics in the verbiage that you're using or do the extra lines actually intend to mean something?
0: Yeah. So the original um, Enneagram is nine personality styles around a circle that begin with, let's start up in the gut area. The eight is the, you know, the person that shows us that God is strong. They show us the face of God as strength. The nine show us the face of God as peace, those peaceful people. The one show us, the face of God is good. You know, they're reforming the world. The two show us the face of God as loving and, and serving you and caring for you. Maybe your wife's a two. I don't know. There's a, you know, the, the three is the effective person. They show us that God indeed is effective. Let there be light. There was light. The four shows us that God is creator, this originality, this beauty of God. The five shows us that God is wise and will rip apart everything and study everything and research and come let us reason together, Seth. Hmm. Right? Excellent. And then there's the six, who it shows us that God, the face of God is faithful and loyal. Mercy's new every morning. And then the seven shows us that God is an epicure. God is adventurous. God is joy. God, God has plans that we know not of. And then the, the um, well, that we're at the top again. Okay, so I'm sure that Suzanne did a perfect job describing all that. So what I'll say about the, the original diagram in the West, so we have to understand that. If you look at the beginning of the book, the history of it, you know, it could go back to the Pythagoreans. It can go uh, back to Plotinus. So we find it in math. We find it in philosophy. And then we find it with Evagrius Ponticus in the third century and some conversation he has with Melania, where he looks up at the sky and says the heavens declare the glory of God. But when it came to the West, we started with all these arrows and we have things pointing and now we've got wings and and it's lovely. It's a robust system. It's fabulous. It's a model and all models are incomplete, but some are useful. Hmm. When you look at our model, which we um, we say there are hints of it with the third century and the 12th century, and we talk about that in the first, uh, first chapter. But where I learned it was Stanford psychologist David Daniels uh, back in 2009. And David Daniels has written much on the Enneagram. He's a b- brilliant psychiatrist, and Enneagram master who has now gone on to his great re- reward. And um, he threw up this diagram. I was studying at Loyola University, and he was the presenter. And he threw up the new Enneagram model in my eyes, but it dated back, with three triangles, Mm -hmm. which connected 147-258-369. And as soon as I saw it, what happened was it it just dropped me right back down into my Catholic roots with Ignatius Loyola, who taught us how to know and do the will of God by checking in with all three centers of intelligence, that we can't just make decisions with our intellect or with our heart affections or with our gut instincts, but all three together open us to this flow. So that diagram, um, while I learned it in 2009 from Dr. Daniels, it has hints with Raymond Lull in the 12th century. It has hints uh, with uh, Evagrius Ponticus.
1: Is there a way to have any growth without suffering well? I think that's what you said, suffering well. And then how do you even define that? Because suffering for me is entirely different. And I, And and so I'll say this, um, I've recently been telling my wife that this year a lot, I've been doing the examine ever since I read a book last year, and the the name escapes me now, like every single night. Uh, And I hate it and I love it, but mostly I hate it. But I like, (laughs) so it makes me deal with emotions and I like the way that I never thought about it as as a child. It was like, I remember my dad oftentimes saying, you know, we're going to do this, use your head. Calm down, breathe, think through this logically, and everything logically was rewarded and applauded. Uh, only control what you can control and make sure that you control that well. Don't even worry about the rest of the stuff, which you would use biblical reasons for, but everything was logic and rhetoric and debatable, if that makes sense. Uh, but emotions, we don't cry. We don't do that. What purpose do they serve? if you're not bleeding, what's the point in crying? You know, so, uh, which I'll say similar things to my kids now. And I never thought about it as being undernourished. And so for me, emotions are struggling. Like I feel a sense of loss. Like when I, like if I'm watching a movie and I I watched the movie Interstellar the other day with my kids, and I don't know if you've seen that movie or not. So I'm going to get scientific for a minute, and uh, I'm not a scientist. So here we go. As you get closer to a black hole or gravity, time actually gets sucked in. And so the closer you are to a black hole, the slower time moves for you. But relative for you here, uh, it moves at the same pace. And so if I'm really close to the sun, a day for me may be four or five years for you. Or an hour for me may be a year and a half for you, because time itself is being sucked into that gravity well, Um, which that's just Einstein, and I'm really badly explaining that. The movie does quite well, and they actually hired a brilliant physicist uh, or astrophysicist from somewhere in the UK, and because they had the the money for the models, those are some of the best scientific models that exist for that type of science. Like, they literally now use those as, hey, they had the money of a studio as opposed to grant money, so we can really make these computers work for us. And so there's a part where this guy is leaving Earth he spoiler alert for those that haven't seen the movie from a decade ago, this is your fault. And, <laughs> and he, he basically is like, you know, when I get back to his daughter, who's maybe 12 or 13 when he leaves, we might be the same age, but my goal is to save humanity. We have to leave this planet. We're not destined to die on this rock. This is just where we were born, but we have to leave because we're out of resources effectively. We've, we've been poor stewards and we're just out of resources and it is what it is. And we can't go back and fix it. And so he leaves and he has to make a decision with a team and the decision costs him, I think, 40 years. When he gets back, there's all these relayed messages that are sent through the satellite stations, and he's watching uh, his son come on. His son say, I graduated college. His daughter say, I don't think you're listening to these. We buried grandpa today. I lost my firstborn son. And you can just see the the father just begin to break down. Like, I was gone for hours, and I missed their life. Um, and even now, I'm getting a little mad about it. But I was watching it with my kids, and it's... I, either way I couldn't deal with it and so I basically just paused the movie I'm like who wants to go play outside we'll finish this later because I don't deal well with emotions I started talking to talk my wife about it like I feel like that's a big issue for me and somehow I got to fix it but I can't seem to move past any of those walls as I pray anything else and I don't know how to suffer that well but for my wife it may be something different you know it may be uh, she has cancer kids that she takes care of and so for her her suffering is entirely different to youth, it was a cold goodbye. The deed was done to satisfy The gravity of the passing time we knew And even though so I have people, and even sad, listeners to the show like, how do I do this? What are some resources to suffer well? But, but my question is two parts. How do I do that? Because I think you do have to do it. But is there any way to actually have spiritual or personal growth without suffering?
0: Yeah. Well, there it is. So when I think about a five Mm -hmm. um, and you saying, I'm watching this movie and when it gets to this part, I want to go out, let's go out and do something else. You're actually naming the pain of your dismissed childlike self. Um, And so if that's okay, I can say this. If not, you can cut it out of the podcast. Um, it, (laughs) Okay. And uh, and so um, just in June, uh, I was doing our training and certification, and I had a British five who was here. And um, day one, uh, we began to unpack some things, and I was giving a preview of what we would experience, um, not just cognitively, but actually uh, in the body throughout the week, and was talking a bit, just a just a preview, even though he read the book before he came um, about the dismissed childlike self. And he said, you know, you're reminding me right now that people talked about CS Lewis as a feeling intellect. And, and so he said, and I realized that as a child, when this particular teacher ripped up my art, I put my heart away. And and this was day one in the training, this British five Ph.D. And and he connected with a story of where his suffering came from and where he dismissed his heart. And that became just an open door for the next several days for him to practice living into his health. Um, and not just the suffering of it, but the beauty of it, you know, the, uh, the gift for you, Seth, being a young dad, that you're actually being invited to not miss the story of your children's lives before you're at the other end, like this father who came back and realized I missed the best part of life here. Right. So, so there's a grace there, you know, the fact that you're doing the examen, daily, even though you hate it, love it. So that's Ignatius for the people who are listening, who don't know that, as I mentioned, Ignatius telling us to open up to all three centers, you, you're inviting um, that opening. And so practice doesn't make perfect, but one person said practice makes permanent.
1: Mm.
0: When you're regularly accessing that ability to touch into where did I feel like I moved toward light today? Where did I move away from light? Where did I move toward God? Where did I move away from God? And then if you were sitting with a spiritual director and you said that, I would say, and where are you holding that in your body? Is there anything you're noticing? Is there a tightening in your gut? Is there a clenching in your jaw? Are you, uh, do you feel tears behind your eyes? which maybe I can also say this, it looked to me like there were tears behind your eyes when you talked about interstellar.
1: Yeah, they're gone now, though. <laughs> we're, we're better yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, you know, this this willingness to wake up all three centers of intelligence is practice for every one of us, because we have one part of our intellect, whether IQ, EQ or GQ, that we have overplayed. And one that we have diminished or undernourished. And so the practicing through the examen is one wonderful way to do that. And, yeah, you can awaken. And, and it is through even feeling the suffering. Like, what did I miss? What did I miss? And where, when was the last time I felt my heart? You know, when was the last time I felt that as a, as a little person? And when did I feel like I needed to close that down? Listening to the words about your dad saying the tears are not necessary, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You just say, oh my gosh, when, when was the last time I felt the freedom to feel tears and going there for a moment and, and welcoming back that wonderful God given EQ that you have.
1: So I want to go away from my numbers because it's just as uncomfortable as I was with Suzanne. I'm also uncomfortable now. So let's go to yours. So in yours, um, you say effective loyalty harmonizes. And then you talk about that uh, in, in, in in the way that you prayer and in the way that you engage in life. And so what do you mean by that when you say effective loyalty harmonizes?
0: Yeah. So that's my harmony triad. So I start with the effective, which is my three heart. And I go to loyalty, which is the six head, my IQ. And I go then to my nine harmonizes, my GQ, my nine. So three, six, nine, the goose drank wine, you know that? Okay. You don't know that? The monkey chew tobacco on the streetcar line? I have lime. no
1: idea. What about.
0: You probably didn't jump rope as a kid. Okay. No, so, I did not. <laughs> so
1: 369.
0: 369 is my harmony. And if I'm all stuck in my heart, which is effective, it just means I want to connect. I want to make it happen. I, I want to produce. If I just stay there, I will dismiss my wonderful, loyal, questioning IQ that says, Claire, why do you want to produce this? What is what is behind this? Is it that you are feeling unworthy and you think if you produce one more thing, you'll be loved? What about waiting on this? How about you do a little more research about producing that? Or are you just gonna get all caught up in your workaholism? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I go to my six to let me ask some questions. And then I take a break and practice this rhythm, rhythm of rest and harmony with the nine because nines, nobody rests like the nines. The nines actually in their virtue, they show us the peace of God, the face of God, you know. And so when I go to my nine, I will sit back in a chair. If it's OK to say this here, I'll pour myself a glass, glass of cab and I will sit with my overactive, effective producing self and let the six ask some questions and let the peace of God come mm-hmm. before I just move into something and produce one more thing, start another web page, make another phone call, get another thing done.
1: Do you, I find myself often. So, uh, so my pastor, I forget what he is. And he's, I forget, doesn't matter. Um, I'd have to ask him again. I find myself often, though, in other virtues, find myself entirely jealous. Like, I wish that I could do that in such an easy way to do it, which I know that's not, it's just not the way that I am. What are some practices to grow towards things that you see in other people that you're like, yes, that is something that I need to do, and I need to do it better. But to do so, I also feel like I'm not me. Like, it's way outside the comfort zone. So what are some good practices that when you see things like, you know, just rest and relax. Or like, uh, my music minister is a nine and my pastor teaches him all the time. Like, just make a decision, like stop trying to placate everybody, just make a decision already. It's the Easter service. What are we singing? Well, I thought we could do this and he could do that, but buddy, listen, we really need to do this. So just make a decision. Um, so how do you do, you know, when you see something that you're, that you're jealous of a bit, um, and I think I use that word rightly. I don't mean like a sinful jealous, like, hey, I would like to emulate that. How do you practice to grow that way?
0: Yeah. Well, this is why we love this triangle because it gives you access to uh, three different kinds of energies a moving toward energy, which we can't unpack today, a moving away energy, and a moving against energy which all three are really important and you have them all present in the harmony triangle. Mm-hmm. So for you, you naturally move away. You're great behind the camera, right? You're you're in terms of like you're interviewing somebody else, right? You you can live behind the one-way mirror. But you moving toward 8, I love what you said, you do this in groups. You've got that moving against energy. You can say, okay, no, let's take action here. No, we're going to direct this. We're going to direct this group and that kind of a thing. And then your two would be a moving toward, right? Moving in, relating, engaging in in ways. And then the 147 has that same gift. You know, ones are move against, they they've got this. We're going to reform it. We're going to make it happen. But they can't always be reforming things. Otherwise, it's perfectionism,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So they have to move away, down and in, like a four. Do some introspection. Feel your feelings. Get a lay of the land. Feel other people's feelings. Move down and in, right? And then the seven move out into the world and experience and enjoy and take hold and taste everything and enjoy some stuff, right? So each of the types really have that gift. Practice really is, it is present in this harmony triangle. Because what we say is when you're living in your type alone as a five, you're playing God. But when you actually are harmonized, you're reflecting God because you're accessing more than your type. You're giving way to three different kinds of energies. You're giving way to three different kinds of intellect and practice makes permanent. You know, God didn't just say, oh, you have a lovely head, Seth, and that's all you're going to need in this life. You know, (laughs) your body is just an appendage attached to your head. No, you, you really do have a heart, you know, and as the Wizard of Oz says, you know, I had a heart, a home, the noise. So you've got you've got access to all three centers of intelligence and all three energies that will help you you say this belongs to me. I don't have to be jealous just like Dorothy. It's like it's all here. I've there's no place like home. I've always had it right here within me. So are you too young to know the Wizard of Oz? No,
1: I have it on one of the anniversary specials. We watch it with our kids regularly. Yeah, which is probably traumatizing <laughs> those monkeys. Actually, now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, this is this is,
0: this is pretty.
1: This is pretty traumatizing. Um, I still like monkeys though, so it's fine. But yeah, um, yeah, just the whole movie is a little bit unsettling. The book yeah, yeah. is worse. I'm sure. I'm sure you've read the actual book. Like the book is actually worse.
0: I understand. Yeah, and mirrors.
1: Yeah. But um, so I'm curious. So you said something there, you know, you were born with a head. It's not just the head. So I don't know enough about Gnosticism, but do you feel like, or in your experience to people that hold a different type of faith that don't have the same Western civilization, uh, Aristilian addiction to logic, do they struggle or do they have an easier time with a practice like the Enneagram?
0: Oh, you are naming that tune, right? So There is much, um, especially in underdeveloped, what we would say, non-civilized places, people access more body wisdom. You know, the first Bible, as many have said, is creation. And so, you know, before we had anything on the page, before we, you know, I think, therefore I am, we did accept our body wisdom. We did know, okay, there's a lion outside and I've got to be, you know, we actually did um, listen to the hair on the back of our neck standing up. Mm-hmm. Right, we did. We actually listened to the wisdom of the body, and uh, and and so when we think about how the gifts of reason and logic and uh, you know the printed press have helped us, they've also hurt us, um, and and so we don't always look up at the night sky and say the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, we forget that you know, as David said, it, he did a great job in Psalms saying, when I kept silent about my sins, my bones were wasting away. Um, or or saying things like, oh my God, my heart has come alive. You know, so when was the last time we felt our bones telling us, hey, you need to get this right? Or our hearts saying, oh, life is here. This is awesome. Right. And so we, if we are, if we are, um, if we are uh, willing To receive the gift of the intellect, the gift of our emotional affections, the gift of our body instincts, then we're living a whole and holy life and able to experience, um, you know, human beings are uh, we're spiritual trying to have a human experience. Right. Hmm. And that is that's not my quote. It's one of the greats. But we really realize that this body, this temple not made with human hands Is where we're experiencing the life of God, the life of the divine, you know, however people want to say it, the life of the universe, it's, it's here, we are a part of the cosmos. And the beauty of awakening to all three centers of intelligence is an enlivening and harmonious experience.
1: So um, I've been accused of lacking empathy, probably because I don't do well with emotions, which works well at the bank because it just everything is it's not black and white. But the gray area is is as the as the manager there. That's the area that I flex, but it's still predicated upon logic and risk management. But you end or y'all end somebody ends each chapter uh, with what does empathy look like for a one? What does empathy look like for a two, three, four, five, six, 27? There aren't 27. I was just seeing if everybody's paying attention. <laughs> so but, so why empathy? Why that focus on empathy? Because I, I read a lot of books and there's not a lot of books that intentionally recenter everything back to empathy before we move on to the next topic. So why?
0: Yeah. So the golden thread throughout the whole book is this um, beautiful scripture from Luke 10. Love God with all your heart, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, So my professor, Dr. Mulholland uh, from Asbury, used to teach at the Transforming Center. And he talked about how it's like a Mobius strip. So it's it is actually this um it's inextricably bound, loving God, neighbor, and self. It is it is two sides of the same Mobius strip. And if you run your finger in a Mobius strip, that's you, you're gonna keep just keep touching. And, um, you know, I, I really do believe that you can't say you love God if you don't love your neighbor, and you can't say you love your neighbor if you don't love God. They are an inextricably bound truth that there is something about my connecting with you, Seth, that opens me to, to grace and hope and love and faith, right? Because in neuroscience, we would say it's a social synapse, It's really good for us. We're firing one another's little happy neurons and we're creating a way to start to see a five, a three, you know. Um, And so then empathy begins. Like if I tell you my story, Seth, why I do this little dance to impress you, it's because I'm the youngest of six children. They were all developmentally smarter, smarter developmentally more you know developed right so i always had to impress i always had to compete i always had to know their music know you know their books i wanted to be as good as them and so it wasn't that i was trying to deceive anybody i just wanted love mm-hmm. i wanted worth and if you can get my story you're going to you're going to wonder about other threes you're going to say i wonder what their story is not Oh, there they go doing their little dance, their little impress you dance, right? I don't trust it. And when the five starts to move away, rather than judging you and feeling judged by you, like he's so smart, he thinks I'm an idiot. That's why he's moving away right now. No, I might get to know your story and say, well, actually, there's a story about tears not being acceptable here but just go to your head with logic and so then i start to just open space for you to be curious about you to care about your story and then it's just the social synapses are firing and if you know anything about heart math do you know anything about heart math mm-hmm. oh oh it's awesome so they did some work um 9 11 after 9 11 when people were running in to help their neighbors when people were not polarized by stupid stuff, but they were polarized about caring about their New York neighbors, they actually found an atmospheric change over the city of New New York. Now, I love it because you're going to research it now. And if you look them up on YouTube, what they'll do is they'll actually take people up on stage. They'll give them something that causes some Um, disharmony in their heart area that causes this kind of frenetic uh, movement. And, um, And then they will give them something that helps harmonize it. And they can pick it up through their blood pressure, through their EKG, what happens in the body in disharmonious times when the frequency is all jagged, and then when they can regulate. And when you can regulate what happens in the body and then what happens out here. You can tell the difference when you're with a person that's harmonized and a person who is dysregulated in their emotions. But now we can pick it up and we can actually say, yeah, it changes the world. It doesn't just change between you and I. It can actually have an effect on our culture.
1: Yeah. So this is just a comment that requires no answer. But that terrifies me when I look at the um, ideological landscape that is our current country because I don't see any harmony there, but I don't want to go there because we're running close out of time. But when you kept saying they for heart math and they for bringing people up on stage, who is they, it'll make yeah. it easier to research.
0: Heartmath. <laughs> oh, that's the name org.
1: of it. Okay. Dot org. Yeah, okay. Uh,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That sounds fascinating. Um. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll dip down that, that rabbit hole for a bit. <laughs> so the back of your book, what I like about your book and a few other books is there's, There's a lot of content up front, but then there's some practice at the back. And so if there is one of these practices, and I'm not going to call it the appendices, it's called something else, resource center, something like that. What is maybe one or two of the practices that will yield not the easiest results, but yield maybe the most fruitful, easily seeable results as people begin to engage in things that are uncomfortable? Yeah. Well,
0: you know, number one, stop for harmony. Um, It's an acronym and it is see trigger open to presence and it gives for each and every type a way for them to see be awake to where you are and the situation that's causing you a problem at the moment trigger. What is the trigger here? If I can actually name that demon, it doesn't have power over me, Mm -hmm. right? If you can name it, you can tame it, so to speak, and then open beginning to breathe and open up to all three centers of intelligence 147 if you're those three numbers, 258 if you're those three numbers, 369 if you're those three. And then you're open to presence, your own presence, which is your truest self, not your out here ego structure personality type that's play overplaying your gift and the presence of God to what is more than you. And so it's really it's it's um, you know, it's in response to Romans I want the things I want to do I just don't do and the things I hate I end up doing who can save me from the pit, right? (laughs) Or who can save me from the noonday demon. I wake up, I say, I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do it. And then 12 noon hits and you do the examen and you say, yep, I did it. Oops, I I did it. I I, I did it
1: again and again. and I did it yesterday too. Why do I suck at this? Yeah, I was talking about Romans last night with someone at a baseball game. And we were talking about, I don't take the Bible as a literal textbook to tell you what you're allowed to do and not to. I think it's intended to be chewed on more than that, but he did. And so he kept quoting Romans to me and I ended up quoting that scripture. And then just the whole first part, I'm like, if you just read the whole first missive of Romans, like he's basically saying, stop being so legalistic, stop judging people. Because as soon as you read this Bible in a legalistic way, or this letter, it wouldn't have been the Bible then, then you're doing the same darn thing. And so now we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the way you worship at the temple. And he just looked at me. He's like, that's not what it says. It's like, then we can't we can't even talk then because we don't we don't have that common ground. But that is a tangent um that is just related. So
0: No, no, no. Can I add to that? Yeah it's not a tangent because it's what the Enneagram's about. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. Mm. And we all have a lens, you know, we're all looking uh we're all looking at the world through our own lens. So, you know, somebody said, Don't argue with a fool because even if you win, you've just made friends with a fool. Uh, there's this idea that, you know, we all are not awake until we're able to be awake. And so, you know, there is a way that we, many people view the Bible. Um, and, uh, And so that is part of the struggle in our landscape right now. And so what we might say is that practices that help us open to more of God's presence and the true self made in the image and likeness of God, you know, Nelson Mandela said, um, human beings can't bear the burden of their own inherent greatness. And so there's this part of, we have been made in God's image. And when we touch into presence, we, all that other stuff drops away. All the law and all the prophets drop away to this one thing, loving God and loving neighbor as yourself.
1: Yeah. You start the book with a similar quote to that from Soren Kierkegaard, which is, with God's help, I shall become myself. Point people in the right direction. Where do they contact you or any of the other uh, 72 authors of the book? Um, how do they get a hold of the book, etc.? Like, where would you send people to?
0: Yeah, so Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram is available on Amazon right now. In fact, it's on sale right now for $17. Uh, Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram by the Calhouns and Lowridges. Um We have a Facebook page, Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram. We have a training actually accredited through the International Enneagram Association that is um, uh, available twice a year in Marshall, Michigan. I can send you my links if people want to look at show notes. That be happy to do that. Um, we have a website, morethanyourtype.com or Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram. So there's lots of places you can go and uh, and really love to get this wisdom out there and, uh, you know, hope that the world can be in harmony together.
1: Yeah. Me, me too. That would be fantastic. Um, well, thank you again, Claire. Thank you for your, uh, willingness to bend to my poor calendaring and thank you. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate the, your willingness to let me come on and share with you. And I love your show. Thanks. So, I got to tell you some of the authors you've had on are my very, very fra- favorites. so I won't name them one by one, but <laughs> thanks for getting the word out there.
1: perfect. Thank you so by now it's it's been it's been some time since I recorded this with Claire and Begrudgingly, I am learning to appreciate the Enneagram. I'm learning more about myself with it, but I'm also holding it still at a steady distance, but it's beginning to crack into me, and I'll tell you why. I don't know, but, but Claire could hear it. When I started talking about you know my kids and that movie, um, Interstellar there, it was, it was emotional, and uh, I'm learning that that's okay and that is changing me but i'm also learning to be protective of that that there's a i think that there may be a damage to allowing oneself to crack too quickly and maybe i'm wrong would love to hear your feedback on that but i am intentionally letting things break away and letting that reveal whatever is beautiful underneath me and that is frightening it's frightening to watch what i've made the ego that I have created that I work very well to protect myself, chip away. And even just saying that sounds weird and it's not quite right, but it's the best that I can say it now. And so I'm going to end with that because I don't know how else to end. This one really hit home for me and I hope it did for you. Big, big thank you to every single one of the patron supporters of the show, everyone that has rated and reviewed the show. I can't thank you enough. I can't do this show without you. And so thank you so very much to the Hope Arsenal, whose music you heard blended into this episode. Thank you as well. Uh, ben has been gracious enough to let the show use his music twice. And I really love it. His most recent album is just, it's just good. It's, it's fantastic. So uh, check him out. You'll find links to him in the show notes, as well as all the stuff from Claire, the show. I look forward to talking with you next week. Be well, everybody.